It was supposed to be a relaxing day at the mall with his wife, Xiang Lujan, and their toddler. He says there were no warning signs at the escalator, nobody telling her not to step on. She picked up our child when the staff member warned that the escalator was dangerous, he says. She picked him up and prepared to step over, but then the floor panel collapsed. Zhang and her son step on that moving staircase. Workers point to the same loose panel. Seconds later, the mom is swallowed by the trap door, pushing her son to safety before the escalator pulls her to her death. This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Shane Anderson. And what you just heard was a horrific industrial accident that happened in a shopping centre in China. This episode isn't about that accident. It's about the video of the accident. The CCTV footage was leaked to the media, and it went viral on the app WeChat, which is a rough equivalent of Facebook, with nearly 890 million users worldwide. It sparked a huge response. Some viewers were angry, and they lashed out at the two helpers at the top of the escalator, accusing them of not doing enough. Others were upset, They grieved for the family of the woman and praised her selflessness in lifting her son to safety before the gears dragged her down. But that's not the only way people responded online. People began to share tips on how to go up an escalator without touching the steps. Photos, videos, flooded news feeds. In one, a group of friends do the splits across the handrails, riding up the escalator like ducks in a row. In another, two women ride the escalator in a sideways plank. These funny images shared between friends jarred with the horror of the CCTV video. How can we understand viral death videos and why people react to it the ways that they do? I spoke to Wanning Sun, Professor of Media and Communication Studies in the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at the University of Technology, Sydney. We had a chat about what the digital age looks like in China and whether or not there's something fundamentally human about sharing images that shock us. I'm interested in how a video becomes viral on a platform like WeChat. Well, as we speak, there are probably half a dozen scholars in this country and elsewhere asking exactly the same question and why some videos go viral and others just others don't. I guess a more interesting question is actually in, in the Chinese case is uh, what are people doing in, in order to make it likely that the, their, their video goes viral so that they uh, can attract more traffic? Because there is the, the commercial logic to it. The more people clicks and the more likely you are able to attract sponsorship or, or ad- advertisement. And as a result, there are just a plethora of the Chinese called zimeiti, self-producers. You know, they're not organizations funded by the national bodies. They're not actually commercial big companies. They're just a person sitting in their bedroom selling ideas how to do makeup. But if they get enough clicks, and then they might actually be able to engage in some kind of monetization. So everybody's actually caught down to the idea of monetization through the uh, streaming and go. And, and the one thing you do is to try to come up with things that are as outrageously as possible so that people would see it with disbelief. And that story about somebody get caught 
on the uh, escalator and die. It's something that happened to be caught on a surveillance camera and somehow gone on to the social media and it's gone viral. And it's not surprising to me that it's gone viral because people like to gawk at death. People like to gawk at, at to, to look at things that are spectacularly morbid, right? And taste doesn't come into this because simply because the so-called the mainstream media would shy away from covering these kind of things, then that's exactly where the social media comes in. What do you think are the biggest differences between Chinese social media and in Australia? Well, to start with, the Chinese people use social media, but they do not use the same platform. Technically, you can't access Facebook in China. You can't access YouTube in China. And you don't have uh, Twitter in China. But they have their own version of this social media platform. They have WeChat instead of uh, Facebook. And they have Weibo instead of Twitter. So that's the most obvious difference. But apart from that, I think there may also be some similarities that we normally don't sort of talk much about. Because whenever you talk about China, it's always to highlight the difference. People get on social media, you know, for, for a whole range of reasons, as the people do here. And in that sense, it's not very... Uh, different, but WeChat, due to its special different kind of functions, operate somewhat differently from Facebook in the sense that somebody sends you a request and then you kind of accept the request and then you talk to this person either person to person or you can broadcast within this group. And uh, I think it's a little bit more uh, group oriented within the group oriented rather than it's less open but I'm not sure whether you agree with me that if that's the case but of of course in political terms that WeChat is uh, subject to to censorship so it is not very surprising to the WeChat users to find that actually they get sort of a Somebody send a post to what sounds like a very interesting article. You click it only to find that it's been taken off. Oh, people just, oh, it's been taken off. And they, they don't feel too morally outraged about it. They just move on. And sometimes people will say, please read this quickly before it's deleted. And then they kind of play mouse and cat game. So that's actually the play that kind of... Uh, difference sort of in terms of times because so it's like the clickbait the thing that draws you in like quick see it before it's gone yeah because censors probably sometimes can't work as fast as (laughs) as people clicking right so there is a lot of interesting games and people play around this whole censorship thing too yeah are there people who work as censors or does the community report something i think they employ a lot of people to look for sensitive words. The government probably does that, but the uh, media companies themselves, uh, in order to make sure that they actually don't get into too much sort of controversy, they probably have um, now technological means of monitoring that. Right, just to self-regulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because although their primary purpose is to make profit, you can't make profit if you're not allowed to run, right? So... I think sometimes they actually they do that kind of self-censorship at that level too. And the other thing that's not necessarily political, the difference between the social media in China and here, is that you can do a lot more with WeChat. You could uh, transfer money to your friends. You could pay bills with, your, with WeChat. You could uh, go to a restaurant and have a, a very casual sort of meal and then, you know, in a very, very small place in China and then just have your barcodes swiped and that's just... It's kind of, in a way, got rid of the need to to handle cash. 
Yeah, I've heard about WeChat being used in Australia among international students to buy and sell Australian items to send back. Yeah, apparently there's become a kind of a grassroots entrepreneurship. People engaged in e-commerce on a kind of a small scale. Some people just cooking up their own food and they're actually trying to sell to other people who like to get takeaway. And it, it works very well for the people selling it and buy it, but it's not a good business for the restaurant because the restaurant then actually lose their customers. And uh, I hear stories about the Chinese restaurant suing these individual entrepreneurs uh, for breaching rules and regulations. So it can be used and abused, and this happened again. But it always happens in a different shape and form. So it's posing a lot of challenges for both the Chinese government and the regulators all over the world because it's global. The Escalator video in particular, people seem to really engage with it. Uh, people were finding new ways to ride the Escalator and those photos themselves were going viral. Do you think it's making a mockery of a death? Like, why would people respond this way? Yeah, well, you know... Um, this is a very gray area ethically, right? Yeah. yeah. But people do things, they might not actually think very carefully about what they're doing. And there's certainly moral and ethical sort of implications. But if, if you leave it to, up to the individuals to actually monitor their own moral and ethical behaviors, then the people come in different shapes and sizes and then anything can happen. Right. Yeah. yeah, It's interesting how that plays into the idea of censorship in Chinese media, mm. because you think the stereotypical outside of you is that media censorship in China is very totalitarian, yet videos like this that are quite morally shocking aren't regulated mm. at all. What guides the censorship? Yeah. That's a good question because people tend to assume that censorship is all about the politics. And people here scratch their head about why does the Chinese government bother about entertainment, or about things that are not actually overtly political. Well, it is interesting they are actually cracking down things that's not overtly political. In fact, the government authorities made it clear they don't like entertainment. They fall into one of the three categories. They call the three kind of vulgarities and the Chinese word is sansu. Anything that's trashy, that's uh, vulgar, that's sensational, kitsch, they don't like that. Of course, some people think that's really strange. The government wants to be the arbitrator of taste. But it is actually a way of saying that, you know, I think Chinese government censorship sometimes is about politics. Sometimes they just think that they also don't like that people do morally and, and ethically dodgy things and questionable things and they want to still have a saying in, in that process but uh, however effective it is is another issue. Having said that it is also possible that even those these kind of things do not come across as being directly political they might have political implications they might for instance lower the social morale they might for instance encourage social discontent they might actually as a result of that affect social and political stability now that is what the Chinese government is really worried about You've been listening to the first half of my chat with Professor Wanning Sun from the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at the University of Technology, Sydney. After the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about social media in China, freedom of speech, and how even Winnie the Pooh isn't safe in the cat and mouse game of Chinese censorship. I'm Shane Anderson, and this is Think Digital Futures.
This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Shane Anderson. The Chinese government recently made global headlines after they decided to ban Winnie the Pooh, you know, the cartoon bear from a hundred acre wood. It turns out users had noticed a resemblance between the beloved children's character and President Xi Jinping. International media held up the ban as an example of China's draconian regulations trying to stamp out fun. I've been chatting with Wanning Sun, a professor of media and communication studies at the University of Technology, Sydney. She thinks that the relationship between the Chinese government and its nearly 730 million internet users is a little bit more complicated. Do you think there's more public discourse now that platforms like WeChat are more widely used? Not necessarily politically, because I actually think most people access platforms and social media to get entertainment that they can't get in China. Of course, there are maybe a small handful of people who would like to use VPN in order to access more in-depth quality investigative alternative points of view in news and current affairs. But hey, most people just want to watch West Wings or, or House of Cards or Games of Thrones and because they're not available in China, at least not available without paying. So, you know, so they want to be able to just to access that. Yeah, that's really no different to Australia. I mean, Game of Thrones is exactly. the most illegally downloaded exactly. show in the country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it was 2015 the documentary Under the Dome came out. Mm. I mean, it wasn't overtly critical of the government, but it was quite critical of environmental policy mm. and was calling for political change. Yet that it was pulled down, but it still was spread really widely. Mm. So it's interesting. There still does seem to be scope for debate. Mm. Yes, I think, I think it is really a matter of case by case. Once upon a time, any stories about pollution would be considered to be quite good because it's raising awareness. But once the government probably realised there's so much traffic, so many people are going to see this one, and it might uh, actually become a little bit more sensitive in the sense that it might be seen as an indirect criti- or quite direct criticism of the government not being able to do much or not wanting to do much about it. So that's why they realise, oh my God, it's so influential and it's got so much impact, you know, it's let's be safe and let's take it down. Yes, but before that, a lot of people had already seen it. So I would say that limited internet or censored internet is still better than no internet at all. Yeah, it kind of sounds like you're describing it almost like a dialogue. Maybe not one that the people are in control of, but there is like a level of both sides yes. communicating yes. with each other. Yes, yes. I think like the media and the technological regulators elsewhere, the Chinese government are actually finding it really, really hard to keep up with the technological developments and all these new forms and the new capabilities uh, that's made av- available by the new technology. And because it, it poses a lot of challenges to regulators about how to control and censor. And recently, you know, the, the fact that the, the winning the pool has got into trouble in China is because of this whole meme sort of situation. But a few years ago, who had heard of the word meme? The authorities now need to understand, oh, this is how things work now. So they busily catching up always responding to something and not actually being able to be proactive and envisaging or anticipating what needs to be done. Going back to videos like the Escalator video, I just found it really interesting that it can become 
really widely watched, but images depicting something like a self-immolating monk in Tibet, which there's loads of CCTV footage of, get stamped out. What do you think of this kind of disparity? Well, again, it comes back to, uh, to probably the government's anxiety about losing um, political control, right? And Tibet is always a sensitive area. As to uh, if the government realised that the, this... Uh, you know, spectacle of the death on the elevator has become so viral, maybe it will eventually uh, got them to worry in the same way that a lot of other non-political things did get them to worry. Yeah, But on the whole, I think they probably have their priority uh, and they have certain sort of uh, the rubric or the hierarchy of sensitive topics, sensitive areas and sensitive keywords and stuff like that. And maybe that doesn't actually, they pass through the filter because it doesn't have sensitive words or it's not a topic that's higher on the sort of a yeah. band list or something. I mean, I've been researching it because I find it really fascinating, but I'm, I don't, I don't want to watch it. I can't bring myself to do it. Mm. Well, there's um, you know there's a torture museum that you can go to as a tourism, <laughs> as a tourist, right? And there are a lot of museums that actually sort of has the theme of death in it too. But but as you pointed out, is the circumstances in which this image is used, and the origin of the, of the uh, image itself. Some of the uh, stories that's gone viral have nothing to do with politics. It's to do with human nature, it's to do with people's desire for voyeurism or people's desire to relate, to belong, to, to assure themselves that they are the only person or it's got this kind of weird thoughts and this kind of weird behaviour. Or sometimes people just at the end of the day just want to uh, have some kind of entertainment. That was Waning Sun, Professor of Media and Communications at the University of Technology, Sydney. This has been Think Digital Futures. This show is supported by the University of Technology Sydney and 2SER. For more info on the show, head to 2SER.com slash thinkdigitalfutures. I'm Shane Anderson. Bye for now.